0: Listening
1: to PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Well, hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on Pet Life Radio. I am your host Ty Brown of SixFigureDogBusiness.com. This is the show where we teach you how to start or grow your dog-related business to a healthy six-figure-per-year profit. I'm really excited because we have a really big name in the dog training industry and is actually starting to branch out into more than dog training. We've got Steve Applebaum, who's the president and director of Animal Behavior College, and uh, we're going to be talking with Steve when we come back. He's going to have some amazing tips for us and some amazing information, so stay with us. We're going to be back with Steve right after the break.
2: it. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause.
1: It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host, Pia Silvani, teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions, Volume 1, today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com.
2: Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family, Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every
3: week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com
0: Okay, and we're back. And with us today, we've got Stephen Applebaum and uh, he is the president and director of Animal Behavior College. How are you doing today, Steve? I am doing very well, thank you. Awesome. Well, we're so thrilled to have you on the show because you're such a uh, your company is such a big name in the dog training industry. And as I understand it, I know you guys as the Animal Behavior College training dog trainers. But from what I understand, you have other programs as well. Is that right?
3: We do. We have uh, we have several other programs. We've got a a program that teaches people to be veterinary assistants. Okay. Uh, we're, we're launching a program at the beginning of the year, uh, first quarter of 2010. We're going to teach people to be professional groomers. We've also got some continuing education programs, uh, one that focuses primarily on how trainers can profit and uh, conduct private lesson programs, and another on how they can work effectively with animal shelters.
0: Excellent. Okay. And so uh, before we kind of get into the meat of the show and, and get into some questions and whatnot, I wanted to ask you, how did you get into dog training? I mean, how did you get into the dog business, I guess I should say? What's your story?
3: Oh gosh! Well, the the mercifully brief story is—I um, mean, I was an, I was an animal lover uh, ever since I was a kid, and uh, really had considered going to veterinary school. But I had the hardest time with chemistry that I think anybody could imagine. The idea of, of, of putting an animal to, down, a, a animal, even though I recognized that veterinarians save far more lives than they than they take. It just was something I was a, I was a sensitive soul, and I just couldn't see myself doing it. I started training when I was very young, and it was just a, I just gravitated towards it quite naturally. Um, So I started, I I went to a couple of uh, training colleges when I was in my early 20s and started a company when I was about 22. Well, basically, I just went to people's houses and trained their dogs. And I did very well. Uh, I I was a fairly good marketer, a naturally good marketer. Uh, But
0: I I, I learned,
3: I'll tell you, I I learned the hard way. What rules work and what rules don't when it comes to marketing?
0: That's one thing that uh, a lot of people get into the business because they love dogs, but they forget that hey, it's still a business. We got to actually make money with this if we're going to pay the mortgage. And so that's one reason I really wanted you on this show is because you've been able to gravitate towards the marketing end and not only be great at training the dog, which is important, but be great at selling your services. And so you're saying that kind of that was your natural evolution. You got. You built the business, and from there, you started getting into the marketing end?
3: Yeah, well, part of it was necessity. I mean, I know that that only 17% of dog trainers work full-time. So the vast majority of trainers are are part-timers. They'd like to transition into a full-time career, but they're not sure how. When I started, I didn't really have a choice. I mean, this was going to be a full-time profession for me, or it was something that I just wasn't going to be able to afford to do at all. And so I, I had to learn the, uh, the hard marketing lessons fairly quickly. I also got lucky. I mean, there is there's sort of luck, not so much in all success, but certainly in knowing what opportunities exist and when and how to capitalize them. Fairly early in my career, I, I realized I had kind of an epiphany about the pet business which was that the, that the business, which at the time, now this is the mid-80s, it was roughly a 6 or $7 billion a year business then compared to coming up on $50 billion today. Wow. But I realized, you know, it's a huge business, and I realized even then that there was simply no way that the, the business would continue to be controlled by the, the little mom-and-pop entrepreneur, uh, you know, how-much-is-that-doggy-in-the-window <laughs> type pet stores that existed at the time. Mm -hmm. And that there would have to be, as there were in so many businesses, it was actually taking place at that time in the video rental business, which had started as a kind of a niche type business and was slowly being taken over by larger corporate players. And this Mm -hmm. was certainly going to have to happen at some point in the pet business. And that part of what their vision would need to be in order for them to be successful in a kind of one-stop shopping supermarket concept would be to include services in whatever they were offering, which at the time, you just didn't see at your local pet store. And so I had this vision, although there was really nothing to do with it, until a couple of years later when I was branching out into teaching group classes in addition to my private lessons, and I connected with a chain that was expanding into the Los Angeles area at that time called Petco. At the time I'd heard of, it was kind of fortuitous, and so as a result of that connection, My company, which at the time was a a relatively small, local, Los Angeles-based company, I believe at that time I had about 15 trainers working for me. So it wasn't that small, but it was nothing compared to, yeah, oh yeah, no, I had a thriving business. I had more work that I could handle after the first three years that I was in business. But Petco, Petco really took it over the top. I mean, we wound up, my company wound up doing all of their obedience classes for the entire chain for almost a dozen years until they bought me out in two thousand four but that company uh... my company ultimately expanded to over five hundred and fifty trainers in about forty five states
0: Wow! and that was uh...
3: <laughs> yes that was quite the experience and that's really uh, that impressive just, yeah it was uh... at the time i would i would i would walk into my office and see literally hundreds of people walking around <laughs> and uh, it, it was impressive but it was also an incredible amount of work and Really not what I got into the business for.
0: You mentioned something that I don't want to gloss over because when I'm consulting with dog business owners and teaching them how to grow their business, this is one thing that I teach them is the principle of modeling. You know, Look at what is working, whether it's your industry or someone else's, and model what they're doing. No need to reinvent the wheel. You know, there's already processes and systems out there. And so, what you said is, you looked and you said, "Okay, the video rental." And I remember this as well. I'm, I'm a little bit younger, but I remember in the mid '80s going to the rental store, and I, and it was a little mom and pop. But I remember shortly thereafter, I think it was Blockbuster. You know, that's starting to get big, and we started going to that store. And so, you looked and you saw what was happening in another industry, and that it could very easily parallel our industry, the dog industry. And you took it and you ran with it and uh, and duplicated yourself. Instead of trying to continue to make dollars per hour, you decided to duplicate yourself. Is that kind of a that's good right. synopsis? Okay. Uh, that,
3: that's an excellent synopsis. And I, I also looked at myself always as a business owner. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've counseled hundreds of trainers about how they can grow their business, as have you. And I'm sure you you'll agree that one of the most difficult things to get dog trainers to understand is that they're they're running a business, you know. There's such a there's such an emotional connection to what we do, and because it's fundamentally a helping profession, there are many that are fairly ambivalent about the whole marketing approach altogether, and whether they should even be charging to do <laughs> something that is so helpful to people and that they love so much as though the two don't go together. And I've always suggested that of course they go together. Just because you market yourself and just because you grow a business and are successful doesn't mean that you have to do it in a fashion that's in any way unethical, or that mm-hmm. it's only about the bottom line. But certainly the bottom line has to be a factor if you want to stay in business.
0: Sure, and going along those lines, Those people, what I help them try to understand is, hey, if you really got into this business to help people, the better you market and the better you sell, the more people you're actually going to help and the more dogs you're actually going to help. And so that's kind of the the angle that I look at, and I think you do too, is making a good living, a great living, what have you, and training dogs. They're not mutually exclusive. They should be synergistic, I guess is, is maybe the right word to use. They should go hand in hand rather than, oh, I love this so much. Well, I'll do it for free type thing and That's uh, right. yeah not a good way to pay the mortgage not a good way to pay the bills and not a good way to help people you know i find uh, personally i find that you know when you charge you know what the market dictates and you charge a good amount of money people actually value your services more than when you undercharge yourself or when you tr- you know you give away too much free stuff or when you're actually putting yourself out there as the expert and you charge a good amount and you make a good living you actually end up being able to help more people and realize the dream that a lot of people have getting into this business, I think.
3: Yes, I agree. And so, I, I, we, t- we teach that at, uh, at Animal Behavior College. that when you Well, there's nothing wrong with, with giving back, and in fact, we encourage our students mm-hmm. to give back, to do a certain amount of the pro bono work. Um, if that's all you're going to do, oftentimes people will, when given something for free, value it at exactly the cost you trust them. <laughs> so yep. it's... Um, yeah, it's it's very important that, uh, that that you're paid for your time, and that you uh, you understand that what you what you have done, learning to be a professional trainer, and your ability through your skill and knowledge to so positively impact people's lives and the lives of the pets they love, has value, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that value can be measured monetarily. It's not the only way, but but it is certainly a way, and in this society. And in fact, in most societies, you know, that's how it works. You know, you have to be able to make a living. And if you do this correctly, you can make a very nice living doing something that you love, which is training dogs and
0: helping people. Absolutely. Great information. Now, we're, we're going to have to cut for a commercial break. When we come back, we actually decided to do something very different for this show. And so stay with us. When we come back, we've got a new twist on this show. We'll be right back with Steve Applebaum.
2: It stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about.
3: Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California, says he invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, no, it's
2: true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's Jay Leno talked about it. CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What?
1: the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com
3: Let's Talk Pets
1: Let's Talk Pets on PetLife Radio
2: PetLife Radio, Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. <laughs>
0: Okay, and we're back. And with us again, if you're just joining the show, is Steve Applebaum. And uh, he's given us some great information. He's the president of Animal Behavior College. And he's given us some great information on marketing and mindset and how to actually view our business. Now, for this show, we've got to do with something a little bit different. For those of you who aren't familiar with Animal Behavior College, this is a gigantic network of you know uh, thousands of people that have gone through their course to learn to become a dog trainer or a vet tech uh, or what have you. And so what we wanted to do is actually go to your people and figure out what are the questions they have about growing their business. The questions I'm going to ask you right now actually come from your own students of Animal Behavior College. And so these questions kind of have the, uh, the tilt on how to get started. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it. We're not going to read the names of the individuals who wrote these questions. But here's the first question. It says, I'm having one heck of a time getting this business going. I have advertised... I've visited vets and other stuff. Nothing is really happening. What should I do? I don't want to give up, but I need to get busy. I think it's the economy. What would help? So, Steve, I give you this question. What would help this individual? Now, this is a broad question, but how do you sure. view the economy as a, a hindrance, or is it a hindrance when people are growing or building their dog business?
3: Oh, I think right now the economy is, is certainly a factor. I, I don't think that, that anybody hasn't been impacted on some level. Mm-hmm. But I also think that uh, that it is absolutely possible to grow this, to grow your business in this economy. Not everybody has been impacted to a level where they can't afford training or they won't afford training. We've been through recessions before. Granted, this is a deep one, and it is scary. It's scary times out there. But um, I know trainers that are doing exceptionally well in this business. Uh, at the school where uh, businesses have been up this year, so uh, we know that there's, we know that there's a desire and, uh, you know, it, it, to get to the specifics of the question beyond the economy, you know, it really sounds like this person is on the right track, but, but I would have some immediate questions on this. The question is, uh, where else are you advertising? I mean, you, the, the, you said, uh, I think it was visited vets and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want to know what other stuff. Uh, how often have you visited the vets, and what's the reaction? You know, a lot of times what trainers do is they lose sight of a very key networking rule that we teach them at the school, which is when you attempt to form uh, uh, some sort of a, a, a relationship based on, uh, based on a networking connection, you really need to look at that relationship from the standpoint of what you can do for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not just in it for that. You're in it to get referrals. You're in it to get business. But when you approach this person, you, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a pet store, whoever it is, really in the back of your mind needs to be, what can I do for you? Which puts you in a position of listening. A lot of times what trainers do is they go into the hospitals. You know, They, they talk for 20 seconds to the receptionist. They leave brochures. And then they go away. Mm -hmm. And they're really not making any kind of connection with the movers and the shakers at that hospital. Oftentimes, uh, five minutes after they leave or a minute after they leave, the brochures that they've left have either been put in the drawer, uh, sometimes thrown away, but oftentimes just put away, uh, never to see the light of day. And um, it's not the most effective way to build relationships, especially with veterinary hospitals. It can take months or longer. To establish relationships with the right hospitals, and again, you need to look at what their needs are. What is okay. that? What if can a needs-
0: dog trainer offer? What can they go in and say? Here's what I can give you. For example,
3: two main things. First, every hospital's lifeblood are clients. Mm-hmm. Every hospital's lifeblood. Um, there are basically three types of hospitals. You have expanding hospitals, maintaining hospitals, and declining hospitals. An expanding hospital is just like it sounds. Uh, uh, a veterinary practice to to grow. They're adding they're adding new veterinarians. They need clients in order to grow. A maintaining hospital is one that's obtained whatever comfort level the the people in charge are are, are happy with. And a declining hospital is just that. It's a hospital that, you know, the veterinarian or, or veterinarians are slowly winding down. Maybe they're looking to get out of the practice. But regardless of what kind of hospital it is, it's important to understand that every veterinary hospital loses between 3 to 5% of their clients every year. <laughs> I mean, dogs to pass on. Some are rehomed due to untreated behavior problems. I mean, there are a whole host of people move. There are a whole host of reasons why, why, why veterinarians lose clients. So now let's look at, at what the typical trainer can do. You know, 20 years ago, when I would stand in front of a group class, I would want to know who's ever, who everybody's vet was. And the reason for that is because I'd make a note so that later on, I could go back to these hospitals and I could talk to the veterinarians about these specific clients, you know, bringing letters of referral, and that's how I would build my practice. So if I stood in front of a class of, say, 10 dogs and their parents or their their owners um, 20 years ago, and I asked all of them who their vets were, every single one of them would have listed a hospital today and for a number of years, for the last 10 or 12 years anyway. As as I stood in front of these classes or as trainers that were working with me stood in front of these classes, we noticed a fundamental shift, which is that unlike days past where we would get 100% of the students that had a veterinary hospital, nowadays, 20%, 30%, 15%, depending on the area, have never been to a veterinary hospital. They have to have their shots. I mean, the puppies have to have their shots to get to class. But because so many shot clinics exist at pet stores and various other locations other than veterinary hospitals, it's possible for a great many people to have young puppies that have never actually made contact with the veterinarian. Now, this is a very critical piece of information because what it means is, is that unless you're a trainer just starting off and you have absolutely no client base at all, in which case we can we can address that, in a bit chances are that some of your clients your existing clients do not have connections to a veterinary hospital right now and that means you have gold to these hospitals and it's just a matter of how you can bring clients to them and in doing so they will help you I mean it reminds me years ago of a hospital I was trying to make contact with and I tried everything I mean I walked in there I brought donuts, coffee <laughs> You know, I, I made it a point to speak with the office manager who oftentimes runs the hospital and is really the person to speak with yeah, yeah. oftentimes, as if not more important than the veterinarian themselves, met mm-hmm. with the vet a couple of times. They just weren't interested. And they knew they were referring um, to a couple of other trainers. And so I started bringing them clients and literally walking these clients in.
1: Wow. And
3: after the fourth, the fourth client I brought to them, and I never said a word, I just brought them in. I mean, they knew where they were coming from. This doctor called me. I don't even know how I got my number because he called me at home and on my private number. And uh, we talked, and he invited me out to lunch. And that was the start of a very nice relationship. And for years, until that doctor retired, I got at least eight to ten clients every year from that hospital. And that was just a single hospital that was created by my helping them. They need clients. Now, since those days, I mean, there there are more sophisticated ways to do this than just walking clients into the hospital. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a great way. But um, uh, other ways involve uh, office passes. You know, a lot of times, if you can get a hospital to give you or to agree to allow your students to have a free office visit, that can be a very valuable thing to hand to your students. Um, and you'd be surprised how many hospitals will agree to it because they recognize that if they can get a student or, or, or a patient into that hospital, they can impress them with the, you know, quality of service and, and everything that they offer. That's right. They're going to have a client for life. They're going to get their name, their number, their email address. They're going to be able to send them reminder cards. They're going to establish that all-important relationship. You are the conduit there. And so I've worked with hospitals where literally they they were thrilled about the idea of giving out office passes. Uh, initially I waited for some of the hospitals to hand me the passes and I realized that they were so busy they didn't always have the time to do this. So I just printed my own with their blessing, which I made sure were, you know, were clearly marked as to where they came from and that they came from, you know, my company. And I would simply hand these out to students that were looking for a good hospital in that particular area. And that worked fantastically well. So if you can bring your your some of your students to these hospitals, you will get their attention and they will realize that having a relationship with you is definitely going to be, pardon me, okay, mutually beneficial. So that that's the first thing. The other thing or another thing that, that hospitals often need is behavioral advice. You know, remember that the doctor is in a position of incredible trust in the patient's eyes, um, or in the client's eyes. And so oftentimes the parents will ask veterinarians behavioral questions because they just have this expectation that the doctor will have the answers. Mm-hmm. And many times the doctors don't have the answers because they're not trained as behaviorists. And even those doctors that have studied behavior in veterinary college sometimes instead, did, or they just don't have the time. They didn't get into the veterinary business to practice behavior they got into the veterinary business to practice medicine and even though you know that's an entire other topic bottom line is a lot of doctors either don't know or don't have the time to deal with behavior uh, and no one on staff does but they're being asked questions which means you get to step in and help but it's a matter of how you help so we know now that the, that the, the hospitals need some sort of behavioral advice uh, I found that a very effective way to help hospitals with behavioral advice, while at the same time advertising your company, is to go in with some sort of behavioral tips. Um, by the way, this will address another challenge that trainers run into, which is waiting room clutter. Often, uh, trainers will walk into a hospital with a brochure, and they're one of nine other trainers that are trying to get their stuff displayed in the hospital. The 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 office manager the, the on duty, recognize that they let everybody that wants to put their stuff out do so, that they're going to have nothing but paper in the waiting room. And so they start to limit what they allow out. And oftentimes, they just don't let any advertisements uh, out at all in the waiting rooms. Well, you can get around this often by offering behavioral tips. Mm-hmm. where, you know, simple, simple, easy things of a very positive nature on how a potential student can address the most common challenges, uh, a couple of housebreaking tips, uh, a couple of uh, chewing tips, a couple of uh, jumping up people. Again, keep it positive, keep it light, and make sure you keep your name and phone number unless they put in, in case you want additional information on the tips, on the flyers. These... Work fantastically well they 're not going to work in every hospital, but a lot of hospitals that are not receptive to the idea of leaving cards or brochures out will leave the tips out. You could offer to email them the, the, this information so that they can have it on their computer. Just make sure you send it in an Adobe file so that it can't be it can't be modified because you know, your' Contact information removed, and so this allows them to avoid the the, the clutter altogether, and they can simply print it out when people ask and hand it to uh, a potential client. So you're addressing the issue of the hospital's needs, and in doing so, you can get your own needs met. Other things that that trainers can do that uh, I would be curious whether this this student is doing: doing puppy parties? Mm -hmm. Are they doing? uh, Are they doing any kind of uh, problem evaluations? Puppy parties are uh, offered to clients of the hospital where uh, and they, and the hospital has to have the room for it but basically where you get a group of, of uh, puppies there and you work on socialization mm-hmm. okay and you're there to monitor it's a it's it's free it's basically a two-step marketing approach I mean it's free to the clients they have the ability to offer something to their client base you have the ability to stand and shine because you can answer any questions and of course hand out your cards. Puppy parties are a huge, hugely uh, really popular event in many hospitals, as are behavioral uh, evaluations. I used to do these all the time. I would, I would set up a time on a Saturday afternoon where for two hours I would see hospital clients in 15-minute intervals, free. Mm-hmm. And they would come in and they would ask me behavioral questions, and I would answer them. And that's another thing. Do not make this a commercial. Okay. If you spend 15 minutes, if you've got 15 minutes with a client, you spend 12 telling them how you're going to be able to solve their problems. If they take one of your, you're likely to alienate people. Yep, if you yep. uh, if you really do the best you can to answer their uh, their questions, and then at the end, suggest to them that if they've got any additional questions, here's my card. You'll be amazed at the response you get. Uh, another thing that I did, did very successfully, and I know hundreds of trainers that have done the same all across the country, is work with the hospital staff. When I started off, I trained over the first two years in business at least 10 veterinarian dogs for free. I was happy to go to their houses and do private lessons with them and their families. I was able to help most of them, and as such, I was able to build the kind of relationships that would have taken years to do otherwise. I Mm -hmm. always tried to work with the vets' dogs for free. I do the same thing with the office managers because these were the two key people in the hospital. Everyone else... I would work with as well, although I would typically comp them to group class okay. uh, which I was you know, typically running in the areas and so uh, I, I was always working with hospital people in my various classes or the vets and the office managers in private and that was a, that was a hugely effective way and is a hugely effective way to build to build that all important relationship. see too many trainers when they go into the hospitals. They they use a principle that we we call we call refer me because I'm good, okay. You know you bring in 19 letters of recommendation. You want to talk until everybody's eyes glaze over about the various methods that you use, okay. But you're not telling them how you're going to help them. Right. And that's where that's where you lose most of these people. Okay. Yes, you have to be good. You have to be on top of your game. You have to satisfy your clients and really focus on that, and not just for the referral standpoint, but because morally, it's the right thing to do, and it's because how you're going to build your business regardless. But um, beyond just being a good trainer, you also have to understand these basic principles and be an outstanding networker if you want to be doing it this way. That's just vets. I mean, we, we could talk about pet stores, we can talk about groomers, we can talk about pet sitters, we can talk about doggy daycare. All of these groups, all of these companies are working with your demographic. You have the ability to help them, they will have the ability to help you. It's just coming up with the various ways in which you can assist them. And there are hundreds and hundreds of different ways that you can do this, although the the ones that I've spoken about with the hospitals... Are, are some of the most common and uh, will be very effective. So that's where I would start.
0: This is just pure gold. I mean, uh, there's like uh, you given us like ten actionable items that somebody could go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my tip sheet and I'm gonna go work with this vet's dog and I'm gonna go talk to this office manager. Like I said, this is actually just tons of gold. These are things that cost zero money. You know. It, Right. Maybe printing up some sheets is about all you've got to do. You know, they take some time naturally, but uh, there's no monetary investment to do something like this. But like you mentioned, you get eight to ten clients from this vet. If you can do that from five different vets, 50 clients a year, what have you. Just a marketing stream, you know, and you've got your others, your website, and you've got your what-have-you. But, I mean, from one marketing stream to get 50 clients a year, that's that's monstrous. That's huge. And so, right. So, in any case, yeah, like I say, uh, I wish we had more time. We're going to have to have you back on the show because there's so much good information. So, before we say goodbye, why don't you tell the folks who are listening to this how they can get in touch with your company and, and the website they can go to or any contact information.
3: I love the shameless plug. Yes, we teach all of this and a good deal more at Animal Behavior College. And you can you can reach us at Animal Behavior College either by calling us toll-free at 800-795-3294 or by just uh, going to our website, which is www.animalbehaviorcollege.com.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, like I say, you know, dog trainers or or any other individuals who are listening to this. And (laughs) if you don't implement at least some of this stuff, you're crazy because it doesn't cost you anything, and you can go out today and do it. So I hope that you do. Take some action. Start building your business. So, Also, if you have any questions or comments or ideas for the show, please feel free to email me at ty at PetLifeRadio.com or visit my website, which is SixFigureDogBusiness.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand.